Chavtet Adar, Tavshinayin Zayin, Erev Rosh Chodesh Nisan, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Haiti be Paris vegam be Roma. Raiti et shivat pil etevel. Bakotev hatsfoni vegam da Roma. Ach ein makom kmo eretz Israel. Uchmokluyot shel nof yefot. Tunot bezichroni afot. Kmo bad adasha shel matlema. Betarmili otan esa. Lechol makom. Ruchei hamigdalim Yerushalayim Besimtaot hashuk hatsimoni Gagot harreafim shel gibatayim Hanibatim mibat chaloni Et haavir betal aviv Et sabati ve'et sabi Et hachala ve'et nerot shabat Et yam hamelach mul edon Classic Shalom Lach Eretz Nehederet. Opening things up here on the Israel Show. Welcome, one and all, to this week's edition of the Israel Show. Coming to you live 
as we do each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 a.m. Israel, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time and uh, 4 p.m. Israel Time. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your week. We can be heard live and we can be heard on demand via the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and the Nachum Siegel Network app. What a, it's a great app, let me just tell you. It's a great app and it brings you a constant flow of wonderful Jewish programming. Uh, it'll fill your day. It'll fill your day. And we're proud to be part of it. Um, you can listen to The Israel Show whenever you like on the Nachum Siegel Network app by going into the archives and choosing The Israel Show and then choosing whichever week you want. Four years plus. It's all there. Uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We post links to the songs we play during the show and links to articles, important articles that we think you should know about, that we've spoken about during um, this week's edition, or just something that we think that you won't find us. Well, we're not posting tons of stuff. We're not posting every little meme or, or you know, story that everybody else posted. We'll, we, we will post stuff <clears throat> that we believe you're not going to see elsewhere. So uh, we're not going to waste your time. Uh, we have a great show coming up. Um, the difficult part of it is a continuing analysis of uh, the continuing battle, the ongoing battle between uh, the Israel Defense Forces and religious Zionist community, and it all centers around the concept that uh, Tzahal put into action uh, recently of co-ed fighting units. We, uh, we're going to help you discover a really cool tourist attraction in Yerushalayim that usually gets overlooked but the city of Yerushalayim announced that it's going to upgrade it, we'll tell you all about it, it's going to be something really fabulous, it'll it'll become part of every trip to Yerushalayim and uh, also if you're leaving the US for Pesach as many do, hopefully for Israel but even if not, there's a travel warning we want to tell you about, so stay tuned, we got lots of stuff coming up and lots of great music as well Ariel Zilber, off of his album Ha'atalef Ha'atarnagol, Ein Od Milvado. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Is it over? Yeah, I think it is. Ariel Zilber. Ain od Milvado. That's a great one here on the Israel Show. Um, you know what? Let's start with the... We usually go from the heavy to the light. <clears throat> let's let's uh, not open with the heaviest item on our agenda today. So you're traveling uh, to Israel for Pesach? Or maybe somewhere else? You uh, might be traveling to Europe, to South America, to... Uh, oh my gosh, there's so many places that people go for Pesach. It's, it's shocking. So here's something you got to really take into uh, consideration when you travel. You, the law in the United States is such that you are not allowed to exit the country or enter the country carrying more than $10,000 in cash unless you report that to the customs services. <clears throat> and there are many reports now, I've been hearing it from all directions, both in Newark and in JFK and in other airports, that customs agents, at are, they're at the airport gate, meaning you've already checked in and you have your boarding pass and you've gone through the TSA and you've got your duty-free stuff and you're at the gate. You're not expecting this. You, you, you know, you, you think you're, uh, you're done with all the uh, official stuff. And as the passenger is boarding the plane, a custom agent comes, comes over out of nowhere and says, how much cash are you carrying? Rather surprised, somebody might innocently give a number that's not exactly accurate because... Tell you the truth, I can't tell exa- I can't remember exactly how much cash I'm carrying at, at any particular moment. And then they go and open your uh, handbags and do a search. And if the amount of cash that you're carrying is not exactly the amount of cash that you said it was, if it's off by a few thousand dollars, they can give you a lot of trouble and delay you and even create a situation where you miss your flight. If you're carrying more than $10,000 in cash and you didn't declare it, then they, they, they will cause tremendous trouble. And, and yeah, you can miss your flight. They're not holding the plane for you. And it's being enforced now more than ever. Uh, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I, I know the official reason. By the way, let me before we go into the official reason... The $10,000 limit is per family unit, meaning husband and wife traveling cannot take 20000 They still can only take 10000 without declaring it. Uh, you can take 10000 You just have to declare it, more than 10000 So what's the official reason? Get this. We have to fight the flow of money to terrorists. We have to fight the flow of money, and that's true. We do have to fight the flow of money to terrorists. And one of the ways that terrorists get funded is either through banks that cooperate, but that's easier to find. That's easier to track down. Another way is by having people carry suitcases of cash to 
the terrorist organizations that's untraceable. And so in an effort to stop that flow of money or track the flow of money, follow the money, the United States uh, government, through its customs agents, has decided to really crack down on individuals traveling abroad. What There is, I must say, an irony here. You see, not long ago, President Obama... In part of his, uh, as part of his um, courting of Iran in order to make this deal with them, President Obama paid Iran monies that they claimed that, that um, the United States owed them, whether that w- should be considered such or not is a different story. <clears throat> Excuse me. They paid... Iran, $1.7 billion. $1.7 billion with a B dollars. Iran is the largest state sponsor of terrorism. They sponsor, they, they fund Hamas and they fund Hezbollah. And the crazy part of it is they sent $1.7 billion in cash in plain loads of cash. You, to paraphrase Jackie Mason, you just sent the Ayatollah 1.7 billion in cash. You need to worry about my 10,000. It, it really does sound rather ironic and crazy, but that's the way it always is. The government does what they want, and the little guy suffers. So, the the takeaway from this, as they say, the practical part that you should really consider: know how much cash you're carrying. If you're carrying more than $10,000 in cash for whatever reason, declare it. Otherwise, just don't carry more than $10,000 in cash per family. And as I say, we've gotten reports from several sources that there is a crackdown, that this can happen to you literally at the gate, at the boarding gate when you're about to get on the plane. So if you know what, if you know what's up, when they approach you, you have no reason to be concerned or upset or razzled or frazzled. You just tell them the truth and everything will be okay. That's our travel warning. And we wish everybody a great Pesach, wherever you're going to be. Some people actually stay at home for Pesach. Can you imagine that? <laughs> it's almost unheard of. We hope everybody has a Chag Kasher. <clears throat> the uh, group Alma, we haven't heard from them in a while, came out with a new release, a new uh, song, together with Leah Shabbat. It's called Imrina. It is very interesting to compose songs to this, a song to these words. Imrina Achoti At. Remember that part in uh, in Sefer Bereshit? Imrina Achoti At. Avram says to Sarah, well, maybe there's more context to it. We'll listen to it, enjoy it, and uh, and see what it means. My name, um, so it's a debut, yes, it's a debut. Almo, it's Leah Shabbat, Imrina. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Lahakat Alma joined by Leah Shabbat. I, I must admit that I really am not sure what the message of the song is, but I'm going to look into it and find out. There are two quotes from Tanakh in this song. One is Avraham saying to Sarah, Imrina achotiat lemani tavli ba'avrech in Sefer Bereshit, where Avraham, on their way to Egypt, says to Sarah, please say, you're my sister. And the other is, When Bnei Yisrael complain in the desert that they have nothing to eat except the man. It seems to be saying that we should not complain, but I don't, I don't know. 
We should be very clear in our words. We should use less words, close our eyes, and sing our song. And then we won't know what to say, and we won't know what to do, and we won't think too much into things. We won't think that we know everything. Ve'az hu yavo. And then, I'm assuming, meaning the Mashiach will come. Maybe. Okay. I'll have to look into that, and we'll try and get back to you in a future uh, edition. Last week, we began uh, a conversation about a major change, a major shift in the Israel Defense Forces that's brought about by uh, the uh, strong lobbying of several postmodern, as they call them, feminist, um, postmodern and feminist organizations that were able to get the army to put out an ordinance that says that women can join in fighting units. That means there would be co-ed fighting units. Now, there women serve in the military in Israel. There's no question about that. And women serve together with men in units that are not fighting units. But women serving together with men in mixed co-ed units that are fighting units is a relatively new thing, which is creating tremendous friction and a lot of difficulties for the religious Zionist movement and the the leadership of the religious Zionist movement who sees serving in the army as a mitzvah, as a positive commandment that every Jew has a responsibility to fulfill. But how could they, the heads of the Hezder Yeshiva, the heads of the Mechinot, send their students to an army when they are concerned that, for example, there'll be men and women together in officer training courses and they will be physically interacting with each other. They're going to have to, uh, they're going to tell uh, a male soldier in, in this officer's training course that he has to do a fireman's carry of a female soldier. Or that possibly, I don't know, people are talking about this, I don't know if this is true or not, but the concept that a tank, which is a tiny space, closed quarters, male and female soldiers will be in one tank together. And we spoke last week, you can go back to the archives and hear the beginning of this conversation in which we explained where it was coming from, etc. We also played for you part one of um, some clips that we have of Rav Eli Sadan. He is the father of the Michinot Kadam Tzvayot. He is the father of of these um, educational institutions that have made it their goal to equip religious young men with whatever they need and women with whatever they need in order to be able to serve in the army and continue up the chain of command and become career army people and officers. And in fact, we've seen surely in the last Gaza war how the entire middle, not the entire, but a huge majority in the middle ranks of the officers in the IDF are kipotz rugot. And it was a Kiddush Hashem, a beautiful thing. And now, they're faced with this problem. What is to be done? So, 
There were many statements, and Ravelli Sadan made a point of uh, putting out a video. I think we posted it last week on the Facebook page. If not, we'll post it this week, and if we did, we'll post it again. Um, we're gonna I have two clips that I prepared from uh, his uh, statements about 10 minutes long. In this coming clip, Rav Sadan makes an interesting point. He says, we've been here before. During the times of the Second Temple, during the Bayit Sheni, towards the end of that period of time, the fighting within the Jewish people was so great that at the end the Romans were able to destroy the Mikdash and destroy Yerushalayim and exile the Jews, less so because of their might, but more so because of the fractures in the Jewish community. When you're not united against your enemy, your enemy's going to win. And Rav Sadan says, God is testing us. We are in, in the most miraculous times in recent Jewish history of, hundred, of the last hundreds of years, where God has given us Jewish sovereignty and a Jewish army, and people like Rav Goren and others who established the religious foundation of the army, that all food is kosher, that all bases are set up in such a way that religious and non-religious soldiers both can serve. And by the way, this was a concept that was set up by David Ben-Gurion, believe it or not. David Ben-Gurion gave Rav Goren a mandate saying, you do what is necessary so that the army can be a place where everybody can serve religious and non-religious alike. You know, before Pesach's coming up soon, for about a day or two, the entire IDF is kashered for Pesach. They turn over, as they say. Can you imagine? They, they call up thousands of reserve soldiers to do Hagalat Kelim and so forth, to do whatever is necessary so that so that the Pesach, um, uh, Pesach, the kitchens in the IDF will be kosher of Pesach. Every IDF base has a Seder. So these were the basics that were set up originally so that the army can be a place for religious and non-religious alike. And now, almost 70 years later, the army is involved in putting together in, I should say the army is involved and or has been ensnared by some groups that want to forward a very radical leftist feminist agenda and in doing so it is alienating some of the best soldiers that it has so here's Rav Sadan explaining the um, the divisions that we see today as a test by God and Isayon, similar to what we had in the Second Temple. Ribono Shelolam zimen lanu ayom et otam machlokot kashot betocha chivra israelit shayu besov bayit sheni. בסוף בית שני נכשלנו בסינת חינם ואנחנו היינו הגורמים לכך שנחרב הבית ויצאנו לאלפיים שנות גלות ועכשיו הקדוש הוא בוחן אותנו אם אנחנו ראויים לגאולה כן, אני מודה 
זה לא קל. אני מודה, ההחלטות של בתי משפט בהריסת עמונה ועופרה הן כואבות. הרבה החלטות שהצבא היום עושה בתוך מערכת הצבאית הן כואבות. ויש הרבה תופעות בחברה הישראלית שממש ממש לא כמו שהיינו רוצים. אבל זה העם שלנו, אין לנו עם אחר. זה הצבא שלנו, אין לנו צבא אחר, ואנחנו נמצאים בתקופה שחז"ל קראו לה התחלתא דגאולה. אנחנו מאמינים בעם ישראל, אנחנו מאמינים במדינה, אנחנו מאמינים בצבא, ואנחנו רוצים לשתף פעולה. Rav Sadan says, yes, there's all kinds of things going on that we don't like. But we believe in the state of Israel. We believe in the IDF. These are, for Talmidim of Rav Kook and so forth, these are holy, intrinsically holy, I should say. The state and the army and so forth are intrinsically holy to the Jews. It's hard to comprehend sometimes, but that's the way it's viewed. And so we have to work with what we have. We can't say, you know what, we don't want to be a part of it. Too bad, let, let them deal with it. Because if we do that, then, then we're never going to get anywhere. So Rav Sadan says, God is trying us. Are we going to live up to the challenge and deal with whatever we have to deal with, even if we don't like it? And continuing in that same vein of the intrinsic holiness of Tzahal, Rav Sadan says something amazing, which we're going to play in, uh, right now and just give you an overview of it in English. Think about it for a second. Somebody, anybody, no matter what their religious background is or observance is, who is ready to sacrifice his life for the defense of the Jewish people and the land of Israel, Somebody who is ready to devote three years, at least, of his life to do that. Even if he doesn't get killed, he's still sacrificing and working hard and, 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 and serving in an army for three years of his life, during which uh, people of his age, Jews of his age in other countries, maybe going to college or sitting and learning whatever it is that they're doing. And, and by the way, there are many people who don't serve. It's not like, oh, of course they serve. They have to serve. No. First of all, they don't have to serve in the, in the, in the elite fighting units. They volunteer to serve in those units. And they know that they might get killed. So somebody who's ready to put his life on the line for Am Yisrael, Rav Sadan says, is a tzaddik. Here's, uh, here it is, all wrapped up in 30 seconds. בעיניי, כל מי שמשרת בצה"ל, חיילים וחיילות, דתי או חילוני או רפורמי או משיחיסט או, 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 או בעל נטייה הפוכה, זה לא משנה. אם הוא שלוש שנים מחייו מוכן לפעול רק למען עם ישראל ולפעמים אפילו לחרף את נפשו, הוא צדיק. הוא צדיק במובן הזה שאנחנו איתו עובדים ביחד באהבה, באחווה, שלום ורעות.
Simone off of the album, Voices for Israel, Keeping the Faith. That's a double CD album, by the way, if you're counting CDs, if you're still counting CDs. Put out by our good friend Jordan B. Gorfinkel. Uh, Tefillah, that's the name of that one. Shmor Na'aleinu, Tefillah, however you want to call it. So, member of Knesset, Bitzalel Smutrich, who is... Um, Part of the, um, well, what they call Haredi Umi crowd, crowd, <laughs> group, ideology, the word crowd isn't appropriate there, um, wrote an article last week which sent everyone to crazy land, let's put it that way. And the reason is because of the headline. Now, people who are familiar with journalism, I guess Journalism 101, know that in almost all cases, when somebody writes any article, an op-ed piece or a news piece and so forth, the writer does not give the headline. The headline is written by the editor. And it's written in such a way to attract attention. The headline of his article was, Matzilim et Tzahal, we're, we need to save Tzahal, the IDF, from these ideologies. Lo mitgaisim, we will not join the IDF. And it sounded as if he was saying, religious men and women should not go to the army. They should say, 
we are um, we're we are um, well I can't think of the word right now but um, ideologically not gonna not gonna uh, join the army and there are people that do that there are people that say I'm a pacifist uh, and so forth um, and and they don't join the army so he's so that's what people thought and that just the media and everybody caught on that even though it was totally um, not true and they knew it wasn't true but this was a way for them to get at the religious Zionist camp see the member of Knesset Betzalel Smotrich he's advocating that the conscientious objector is the word I'm lo- is the phrase I was looking for he's advocating that uh, people should be conscientious objectors and not going to the army blah 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 how could he say that okay he didn't say that and how do I know that because I read the article what he said is that a radical leftist ideology that believes in doing away with basic concept of male and female, who believe in the destruction of the traditional family unit, and so on, who represent a very small but loud and vocal part of Israeli society, have found ways to insert their agenda into the public areas without public debate. And this is how co-ed military service, which until recently advocates would have been put in, in, they would have been sent for psychoanalysis if somebody would have advocated mixed units, fighting units in Sahal. It's now one of the declared values of the IDF. And he continues, I'm, I'm translating loosely, and he continues that Simple common sense says that you need to adapt military service to the abilities of both male and certainly female soldiers. If somebody says that now, they seem backward, they're, make, they're portrayed as outdated, they're irrelevant, let alone a concept of Hayama Hanecha Kadosh that your encampment should be holy. And so he decries this new value system that the IDF began, began to adopt. And he says, like a loving mother, when she sees a beloved son being dragged in with a bad crowd, like a dangerous street gang or or, or some other drugs, she pulls him, she will pull pull him out before he descends into the abyss, even if she knows that she's going to hurt him along the way. Tough love. We're familiar with that concept. And Bitzal Smudges continues, with our great love for the IDF, we must save the army from this extreme postmodernism that have wrapped up in <clears throat> nice wrapping paper and beautiful words about equality and acceptance of others, but ultimately are leading the army down into an abyss. Now, how do you do this? Says Bitsal Smudrish. I don't know. But if 
we're just going to continue on as if nothing's happening and talk, 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 then we're not going to get anywhere. We have to do something that the army will wake up, even if it's, like he says, tough love. And therefore, one of the things he brought up as a possibility was was not that they shouldn't go to the army, not that they shouldn't serve in the army, <clears throat> but that they should delay their service. They should show the army that one entire, the, the, the um, draft in Israel, I think it's two, two um, dates during the year. One is actually coming up uh, this week, and the other is uh, in the summertime. And he says, you know, all these young men who are in Michinot or in uh, Yeshivot that are going to go to serve, that the army counts on, that the army needs, because they know that they are motivated that they are going to go on to be officers and lead the army, they should just say, you know what, we're staying in the Mechina for, for, till the next cycle. In a way, show the army, hey, it's not just talk. You have to, you have to, you have, you have to listen to what we say and act upon it. So that was his idea. He threw it out as a concept. This is the only way to show the army that we're serious. This is the only way to show the army that they don't want to alienate us. So delay for one cycle, one draft cycle. It's, it's like half a year. Of course, all the haters and all those who are pushing this agenda, this anti-religious agenda, said, oh, Bitzal Smutrich says that religious Jews shouldn't go to the army. Well, they know it's not true. They're being totally disingenuous. But that, unfortunately, is the way these politics work. And I I don't always agree with Bitsal Smudrich, but I must say that he's got a valid point in the sense of we, I, I'm not supporting or not supporting this particular idea that he has because it's not my place to do so. But he's got a valid point that religious Zionist world has to find a way <clears throat> to make it clear to the army that they're going down a, the wrong path and that the values that they're that that they are now pushing are not the right values for an army uh, maybe uh, they're right values for uh, other institutions but there's no place for this in the army the army is about winning the army is about defeating the enemy the army is not about social engineering we have the same problem in the united states don't kid yourself we have the same problem in the United States. What will happen? I don't know. There was a very successful meeting, that's what they say, between the um, chief of staff and, and the um, upper echelons of the IDF and heads of the Hezder Yeshivot and the Mechinot and even those who are very, in the very liberal camp of, uh, of those Yeshivot and Mechinot in which they made their positions clear and in which the chief of staff supposedly said that there will be changes made and that they will um, have adjustments made to some of the um, orders that uh, require these mixed uh, units. We'll see what happens, and we'll keep you updated as well. Um, Here is Shlomo Gronich from the... uh, 
new album where he performs live with the Philharmonic. This is a classic of his, Hanasich HaKatan. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. with the uh, Philharmonic off of that latest album. Okay, we uh, continue our tradition of uh, attempting <laughs> to end every show, every edition of the Israel show uh, with some positive news. So uh, we're going to give you some positive news from Israel. The Jerusalem municipality is um, working on a cable car that will bridge the western part of the city to the old city, easing access, they say, to the uh, western wall and to the Temple Mount as part of the city and the Ministry of Tourism. 
It's a project that it's going to basically be a cable car, and it's going to run from the area of the um, old railroad station, what's called now a Tachana, that area there. And it's going to continue its way past Hartzion. It'll have a stop there on Mount Zion, if you can picture in your mind, if you're familiar with the territory. It travels over the valley of Hinnom, Gay Ben Hinnom, which is mentioned in Tanakh, and then stops at Hartzion, which is not the Tanakh Hartzion, it's a misnomer, but that's what we call it today. And then it'll continue to the Shar Hashpot area, which is where you can enter the old city closest to the Kotel and entrance to Har Harbayit. And it's a great idea because the truth is there, there is no infrastructure. The old city, the old, what they call the old city basin, which is the, the land around the old city, the, the, the area, it's just not, there's not parking, there's not enough parking for buses, there's no good public transportation. And this is a genius idea. It would be a cable car that they claim could, could um, transport up to 25,000 visitors a day. It's like amazing. Won't run on Shabbos, of course, on Yontif. Um, and of course, there's politics involved because it's running from quote unquote West Jerusalem over what used to be no man's land and the border, the ceasefire lines of 1948, and into what the world calls East Jerusalem. And so companies, that, some companies that were approached um, said they don't want to be involved in it and so forth. What does this have to do with what we were promoing before about a hidden tourist attraction in Yerushalayim? So this is not a new idea. Having um, a, um, a cable car running over Gay Ben Hinnom connecting the area which, like we said, is the the old railroad station, the Tachana, uh, what else is there? The Begin Center is right there. Um, it's not far from the, um, from the windmill, from the area of the Mount Zion Hotel, the Cinematheque, etc. In 1948, when um, the Haganah and the Etzel were fighting to keep the old city of Yerushalayim, and we all know that ultimately they failed, they were able to hold a um, an isolated enclave on Hartzion, which, which remained in Jewish hands throughout the 19 years from 1948-67. People, my father, Allah Shalom, told me that people would go, including himself, to Hartzion, and there was a minaret, and they would climb on top of it in order to get a glimpse of Harabayid and the Kotel. Um, so the question became, how would they get arms and so forth without being detected? How would they get them to the people? And the people that were there, army people, guards, whatever, how, how would they switch, switch them in and out? And so they came up with a great idea 
a cable car, a small little cable car. It's the size of, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. It's about maybe three feet long by um, by two feet wide, something like that. And it was on a pulley system. It had wheels and it was on a pulley system. And during the daytime, the wire, the cable that it ran across was lowered into the valley and nobody knew it existed. And then at night when they wanted to use it, they cranked up the cable and so it became taut and it ran across and this little car would ride across and they could, like a person could lie on top of it and push it across or they would put weapons in it and so forth. And then in the daytime, next day, it went down again. And this went on for quite a while. That cable car, which I guess, in a sense, is the is the precursor for this idea that they have of making a huge uh, um, cable car for tourists and for everybody else. Um, this cable car is still in existence today. And you can see it. In a very small exhibit, it is on... Uh, on um, the road that, uh, what is it there, Hebron? I'm not sure exactly, but it's right near the Mount Zion Hotel and the Cinematheque in Jerusalem. It's hidden. It's a hidden gem. You go in there and you can see the actual little cart and you see the pulley and there's an explanation of what was happening. You can actually see the wire that was that was brought up and down. It's very cool. It's not, you know, it's it's something to see for a few minutes and hear the story of, of how they improvised it. But it's very cool. And now, who knows? Maybe they're going to upgrade it and make it in the concept into a, a major, major um, attraction and uh, a practical one. And I'm sure that if this cable car gets actually comes to fruition, fruition, it will be a great tourist attraction. Okay, we're going to end off today with uh, an appropriate Pesach song as we approach Chodesh Nisan. The Pesach song of of, uh, of the last uh, decade or so. Vihisha Amda Yonatan Razel. Wow, how something becomes a classic within a year or two. Before we do so, thanks so well. Before we do so, a couple of things. First of all, please keep in your prayers for Rufuash Lema Uri Avraham Ben Elisheva. Uri Avraham Ben Elisheva, Rufuash Lema. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. During the next few weeks, our live shows will be on hiatus. But for sure, continue to tune in to the Nachum Siegel Network, wherever you are. It will put you into the Pesach spirit like nothing else. And I take this opportunity to wish you all a Chag Sameach. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, an hour of great Jewish music, followed by an encore presentation of Headlines with David Lichtenstein. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next time we meet, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
See you. 